Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man comics from June of 1983. That's right, we're back to the regular monthly Spidey comics, and to celebrate, we have a very special guest. Please introduce yourself, special guest. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Dustin Windebank, and uh, a long-time comic fan. That's right, and uh, we've known each other for many, many a year, since I think we were, what, 13, 14, right? Grade 9? Yeah, riding my bike to your house to borrow backpacks full of comics. <laughs> oh, that's right. So there's no doubt that you're a comic book fan. Um, I, I don't remember. Did you read Spider-Man in the 80s? No, no. I was always the I was always reading the mutant titles. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was I was read all the uh, X and, and Excalibur and X Factor and all those ones. So is this is this your first experience with this era of Spider-Man then? Uh, no. I've I've. I've seen some of them before, but very okay. limited. Like Interesting. very limited. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, because yeah, this is definitely this was my guy growing up. But yeah, I I would say by around ninety ninety one, I definitely became more obsessed with X Men for sure. Mm. That was like the big thing of the day. So yeah, so yeah, we're gonna get it first. We're gonna start off with Amazing Spider Man uh, number two forty one. Which anyone who's been listening to our show knows. Um, we love Amazing Spider-Man. We love Roger Stern. We love John Romita Jr. Um, before we jump into this, Dustin, are you familiar with Roger Stern's writing from anything else? No, not really. What else is he really known for? Uh, he Well, he, he had a really long Amazing Spider-Man run and Spectacular Spider-Man run. Then he did um, Avengers pretty much, pretty much for most of the 200s. It was Roger Stern. And then he left Marvel, went to DC, and he did Superman after John Byrne left. He did the Atom reboot. Uh, and then various things after that, but yeah, he's, so he's kind of like a standard superhero guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then what about John Romita Jr.? Are you familiar with him? Oh yeah. I've, uh, I've read a fair number of John Romita Jr. things over the years. Great. So yeah, this is definitely considered, you know, um, a peak era for Spider-Man by most people. And in this issue, I know this is kind of an odd choice of books this week because Two of them are kind of concluding stories that had already started in, in other issues. This one is, I think this is what, part Josh, part two or part three of the Vulture story? Yeah, I think it's part two. Um, but but we yeah. have seen the Vulture pop up a number of times in Amazing so far. Right. And it, and it, so it's kind right. of... It's kind of this story that's been going on for a little while now. Uh, Vulture keeps popping right. up and he feels like... He's kind of useless, and no matter what he does, he can't defeat Spider-Man, and he's always kind of down on his luck and disappointed in himself. So this is right. still kind of continuing that story, but I think this specific arc is just this, it's just the second issue. Right, you're right. So yeah, so basically at the end of the last issue, Spider-Man was defeated and seemingly dead. As we can see with this issue, he's not dead. Um, <laughs> we know there's at least uh, five or six hundred more issues after this so obviously we knew he'd survive um but anyway so yeah so he kind of gets up and gets into one of his typical arguments with uh, the police force um what's his name keating is that the cop that he's arguing with here yeah i think so yeah 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 and uh you know it's just the the typical you know spider-man he's not quite a vigilante he's not quite batman level but he's always kind of at odds with the law and so it's great to see that again they're kind of arguing back and forth he makes his escape and then he's gonna go and try to track down the vulture using one of the cops' walkie-talkies, which I thought was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I love that little moment there. 
Yeah, it was great, right? And then we and then we get uh, a flash. Then we cut over to a scene of um, two women coming in at an airport, and it turns out it's Anna and Mary Jane Watson. Who? Uh, I don't, did we see a cameo from Mary Jane last week? I don't we remember. Heard, I think we heard her name. I think. Right, right. I think um, Aunt May was asking again for uh, for Peter to go on this date with uh, uh, with her, but. I think this might be the first time we're actually seeing MJ. In a long time, right? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So uh, obviously, again, Roger Stern is working on bringing her back into Spidey's life. Uh, so Spider-Man is tracking down the Vulture. We get a really classic shot on Digital Page 7 that I'm pretty sure has been used in merchandising before because I know I've seen that shot of Spidey swinging over the city with the thwip there. Yeah. That's I've seen that before, so it must have been used. But anyway... So, you know, he's he's flying over the city, and I, I kind of like this fact that they took the time to consider that he could he cannot swing over to Staten Island because it's so far away, right? There's no, no way to get there, so he's got to hitch a ride on the bottom of these helicopters, which yeah. I thought was a, a cool detail. Well, and I, another detail about his, like, triangulation in on the Vulture is he's got a Spidey tracker, but his Spidey sense isn't able to track it far enough that's why right. he's using the that's why he's using the radio so he's got mm-hmm. both going on right very cool yeah i love those little details they add in because right. it gives yeah. you story it gives you story ideas right like just adding that slight extra element of realism is pretty cool yeah yeah um and so then anyway so then he tracks down so then the vulture is making his way to this uh secret hideout in this like a old barn and uh he ends up going inside and spider-man follows him it's a pretty cool scene where you know he crawls his way through, and basically, um, as he's going through, we get this nice little close-up of the walkie-talkie because we know that's going to come in later. And then we cut to the shot of how uh, of this guy who's tied up in this light, and Vulture is, um, you know, giving him the shakedown. And basically, we now learn, I believe, for the first time, the full origin or the backstory of the Vulture. And it's pretty interesting because mm. I guess he had this, he so. Adrian Toomes started this business with what's his first name? Bestman? I don't know his first name. I can't remember. It's in here somewhere. Oh, Greg. Greg yeah. Bestman. And so basically, they're working together, and Vulture's working on this uh, this electromagnetic harness that's going to help him fly. And they have this little conversation where the guy's like, oh, you know, profits are at 5% this year, and I'm blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, right at the bottom of the page, we, uh, what's his name? Adrian Toomes, the vulture, or the future vulture, goes into this room and finds out by looking at the paperwork that actually their profits are at 50%. So the guy's obviously lying to him, so he gets all pissed off at him. And then, um, and then what ends up happening here? He, he, realizes, he realizes he has like super strength, which is oh, right. weird. That's where he so we, so we yeah. don't, yeah, we don't I know found, why. I that, yeah, I found that interesting. They just somehow the electromagnetic fields of the flight harness right. energized my body and that's it for the mm-hmm. that's it for yeah there, there's not like it like not really much of an incident and i'm fine with that honestly i kind of like that they are just like yeah this is the reason why we don't need to like stop the entire action to like show you exactly this right. like awful event that happened to him to give him these super abilities he just kind of like you just see that he's betrayed he finds out he has these powers, and he uh, he. St- I, I don't I don't know if he. St- I can't remember if he steals the one of the uh, the the flight suits or if he builds a brand new one of his own. But he starts working on it, and that's when he becomes the vulture. And he's we we see one of those like uh, uh, 
the, those like cork boards with all the newspaper clippings and everything pinned to it. I mean, you realize he's been kind of planning this his revenge mm-hmm. for a little while now. And right. I, I really, uh, really like this scene. I think this was maybe my favorite part of the uh, of the the issue uh, when when he's interrogating his former partner. And mm-hmm. uh, this backstory surprisingly, surprisingly really hooked me too. Well, it's also cool because they go back to that thing about the vulture is since the very beginning, he's always been an old man and that's been one of his characteristics. Right. And he says here, I was already an old man. I used what little savings I had to retire to this farm. So and he also talks about how the business was put in the other guy's name. So there's nothing he can do. Right. So this fits in with his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they tend to want to keep, to make uh, superheroes and supervillains young, but this is definitely a character that from the beginning he's always been old, yeah. which is cool. Um, so anyway, so then, um, so then he's you know he reveals how he you know started using his powers to you know become a villain and like you know stealing money and all that stuff, and then basically Spidey comes in, and uh, now we're gonna get some fisticuffs, and Spider-Man has used his walkie-talkie, uh, which has been webbed over top of the Vulture as he was talking, so now they've got his entire confession on tape, right? Mm-hmm. And now this old farm is surrounded by the cops, and uh, we can get a nice little fist fight here, and uh, we, we had a cool scene of Spider-Man using his webs to, um, to, uh, to rescue this guy, and I think I realize now why I recognize this art. I think it was used in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. That's oh, why it's so familiar interesting. to me. Yeah. Oh, so the, yeah. the editor probably got lazy and was like, okay, you know what? We've got two good panels from one issue. Let's just use them both, right? So right. instead of going to different comics, mm-hmm. but that's okay. So yeah, again, Roger Stern always likes to give detail and you know nuance to his fight. It's not, it's not just simple. Like He actually takes the time to give... It's not just punching, punching. It's give, He gives specific actions uh, to each page and what's going on. And so it ends up being that Spider-Man rips off um, the Vulture's, you know, electromagnetic hardest thing, mm-hmm. and that's how he defeats him, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then, and then at the end, he ends up getting a really nice photo of uh, the action, which he ends up selling to uh, the Bugle. And then we get a little epilogue with this girl, Amy Powell, who's kind of been around for a while, who I don't know if I'd realize this was Lance Bannon's girlfriend. Yeah, I don't. Or may- I, I think so. I think we briefly talked about her, but she hasn't really been much of a main character. She's kind right. of just been popping in for like one or two panels for the last little while to be like, "Hey, Peter," and then Peter's got to run off. So she's right, right. He, she's kind of being set up as a new love interest. Um, right, 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 right. But uh, yeah, I don't know how successful that is, but we'll we'll see. Hopefully, right. this doesn't turn into another. Uh, <laughs> Uh, case oh, Deborah Whitman, Deborah Whitman geez, yeah, because no. because I, he he's already talking about like oh geez, I don't want to yeah. hang out with her, but I get I guess there's no other way for me to get rid of her besides going out on a date with her. Like yeah. that's the opposite <laughs> of what you should be doing, but okay. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, well that's Amazing Spider-Man 241. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, I want to get your impression first. What was your impression of this story? What'd you think? Oh well, there's a lot going on here. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the art is so sharp. Like yes, I really like that. It's like crisp. Um, there's there's a lot of good shadow. The uh-huh. the uh, the inker and the colorist use a lot of good shadow to get depth. So I, I enjoyed the art quite a bit. I like the fact that they actually made the vulture seem like a badass. 
Because yes. my experience with the Vulture is, you know, I read him in the you know, Guide to the Marvel Universe. I'm like, what? Some old dude with wings? Right, right. <laughs> How can some old dude with wings ever fight Spider-Man? That doesn't make right. sense. Right, <laughs> But they actually made him seem, like, tough. A big part of it was the police reaction. The police were like, oh, man, that guy's, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, his strength, he was super intimidating to his mm-hmm. former business partner. His former yep. business partner was just squirming. So they actually did a really good job of making um, him seem like a real threat. I so agree. I, like I really, yeah, Josh, what did you think? Um, yeah, I really like this issue. Uh, I, I especially like that everything had a purpose in this issue mm-hmm. uh down mm-hmm. to the down to the way he tracked the vulture and then that leading into being like part of his downfall in the end and like the way he defeats the vulture um mm-hmm. like having like the 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 walkie-talkie be the recording vo- device so that way he can you know just did a he unknowingly did a uh, he unknowingly confessed to the police i i love that uh, I, I do really like kind of the darker tone we get with the vulture, especially when he is interrogating mm-hmm. uh, his former business partner and like he's cast in these shadows and uh, he really does seem menacing. And I think that lately uh, amazing has been doing a really great job of making the supervillains that would normally be very corny and not very intimidating and, you know, not really have much weight. They, they've been really, uh, uh, giving some depth and character to these goofy goofy guys like especially like boomerang and mm-hmm. uh there was the there was like the hula hoop one that was like shot rings out of his hands like the, <laughs> oh, the ringer ringer right yeah like there's yeah. there's been a there's been a bunch of these kind of like c-list supervillains that and not that vulture is c-list i think he's mm-hmm. probably one of the a-list uh yeah. spider-man villains but he is one of the goofier ones and i think that they're doing a really good job of uh, giving them a proper story because I can get past the goofy costume and the kind of like funny premise of what the villain is if you're gonna give them a little bit of depth and kick a character that's gonna hook you into the story so I think that mm-hmm. uh, this one did it perfectly yeah and I also I agree with everything and I also want to point out that I mean I always love John Romita Jr. but his art seems to be getting better and better each issue mm-hmm. And he's starting to get a little bit more like the John Romita Jr. from later, which some people don't like as much because his faces tend to get uglier as his career goes. But I really like the way he draws the vulture here, like these big close-ups of the vulture with like, you know, like the the really big hook nose and like the lines on his face. Mm-hmm. And it I just does a really good job. And also, like um, we said uh, recently, that the inker has changed in the last few issues to uh, Frank Giacoya. Right. And I think he's doing a really good job on inks. So. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, yeah, I, I think so. I, I really did like uh, Jim Mooney and everything that yeah. he was doing with uh, John Romita Jr.'s art, but uh, I think that this issue is fantastic. Yeah, I love Jim Mooney too, but Frank Giacoya might be a better fit yeah. for John Romita Jr., right? Eh? Yeah, like this. And that's the thing. Sometimes I don't know if I'm just in a good mood or what, but sometimes when I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man, I'm just loving it. I'm like, I don't know if it's just like a sunny day or it's right. a really good issue, but I'm loving this. It, it might also, I mean, I guess spoiler, it's not really much of a spoiler if you've been listening to the episode so far, <laughs> but it might just be because the other two issues are always kind of bummers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. That could be why we're loving Amazing so much. Um, 
So I, I don't, yeah. maybe we're, we're not as like subjective as we should be with these, but that's a good point. Yeah. But, um, but I, I would definitely recommend this issue and I, I had a blast. Oh, me it. too. Right, Read like me the, too. Dustin, would you recommend this issue? Oh yeah. Like the fight in the forest where, you know, he's vulture flying through the forest and Spider-Man swinging from tree to tree and it captures him. That's that's just so well played out. And your comment before that, like every punch, it's not just punches; it's action, things that make sense. Like, right. It, it's this is a story all the way through. There's no like, there's no sudden like, what the hell, what just happened, and why. Right. Like, everything makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. even yeah. even down to the point. Spidey. Yeah, for sure. Uh, even down to the point where like, he doesn't just punch the vulture to defeat him. He he traps him in the forest and he mm-hmm. puts up these webs as like a canopy over top of the forest so Vulture doesn't uh, have anywhere to fly to. Like he's he's right. using he's using Vulture's strength against him, right? Like he's taking mm-hmm. that strength and making it a weakness to uh, to defeat him. And I think that's brilliant. I love when uh, when characters use their wit and their knowledge about the the villain or their foe to defeat them and it's not just a big punching fight and you know finishes in the last panel like it, yeah that's a great point yeah so uh yeah like really everything for me in this issue worked i agree i agree it's one of my favorite issues yeah so speaking of bummers yeah now we're gonna move on from amazing spider-man to marvel team up number 130 and josh you can take it from here um, it wasn't good. So I think uh, we can move on to Spectacular Spider-Man now. Or... <laughs> no, oh, no, oh, no. Okay, okay. Our uh, listeners are <laughs> demanding we review this issue. Right, yeah, they're just clamoring for it. Uh, so last issue, we saw Spider-Man teaming up with the Vision, and he stopped some androids. Uh, and at the beginning of that issue, we do see the Vision and Scarlet Witch talking to each other a little bit. Uh, and the Vision says he's got to go. Um, and so we, we kind of catch, we kind of like leave off where we, uh, we pick up where we left off last issue and we see Scarlet Witch. She has this nightmare that, uh, she had to kill the vision and she turned evil and, uh, you know, then we cut to Spider-Man and the vision and, uh, they're kind of recovering from the last fight and we have, uh, uh, Oh my goodness! What's his name? The the reporter. Uh, I don't remember. Um. Oh. Uh. I have no uh, idea. Mister <laughs> Poncholetio. Pon- yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Poncholetio. Right. So he he's about to retire from the bugle, and him and Peter were just on a mission last issue, so it's just kind of catching up again here. Uh, Spider Man thinks that. The big story that uh, he's going to be releasing is the fact that he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, so there's a little bit of tension there. Um, And then uh, it turns out that this this guy, this like weird wizard guy has captured the Scarlet Witch and Mm -hmm. he goes after Vision because he wants Vision's body because he's more of a spirit right now, so he needs some sort Mm -hmm. of like physical form to capture uh so he uses scarlet witch as like a ransom uh to take the vision's body he ends up taking over and scarlet witch 
and Spider-Man have to team up to fight this bad guy in the Vision's body. Uh, they fight him, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's another. There's a lot of punches. There's a lot of just punching. Not much else <laughs> happens. Uh, when they do eventually. Uh, knock this guy out of the vision's body i think with the help of vision uh his 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 like memory or his his soul has kind of been pushed back to the back of vision's mind so it's not really accessible right now so he's still kind of having this like interior fight with this uh you know sorcerer mm-hmm. and yeah, the vision's stopping him from attacking wanda right and once once he's finally pushed out he takes the form of this stray dog and at the end, he he decides that he'd rather die and, like, fade into nothingness than be in the body of a dog. So he just jumps out and that's that. Uh, <laughs> and, well, also, the reporter guy has figured out Peter Parker's Spider-Man, but he's decided he's not going to tell anyone. Right. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he comes out and really says it, but he kind of no. winks, winks, you know, wink, wink. To Peter Parker right. is like, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't really know. Let's say I, I knew who Spider-Man was. That's what my story maybe would have been, but I'm not going to run that story. Right. This Spider-Man's too important. Yeah. So before we jump into it, Dustin, I want to ask you: Are you familiar with the writing of J.M. Demetrius? I don't think so. The name sounds familiar. Well, okay, from your era or our era, <laughs> he would have written Justice League, the funny Justice League. With Blue oh, Beetle, I told, yeah, I totally read the funny. Yeah, like, he, he the was one that the led up to the Max Power stuff, right? What's that? Or the one that led up to, um, uh, yeah, I read those ones. Yeah, yeah, and then he also did Moonshadow, I think. For Moonshadow. yeah, like I think it was called Moonshadow. He did like a couple of almost Vertigo or Vertigo esque comics in the early nineties. But anyway, oh, I have I have the complete Moonshadow. I have that yeah. collection. <laughs> there you go. See, I knew you did. Yep. <laughs> So he definitely eventually becomes like a really good writer. Like you could argue like one of the better writers of the 90s. But at this point, everything me and Josh have read from this guy uh, is just, I always say it's like he's just throwing crap at a wall to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what this issue is. Uh, But also before we get to the rest, what about Sal Buscema? Are you familiar with him? No, forget it. Okay, because he would have done Spectacular Spider-Man all through the late 80s and early 90s. Like, mm-hmm. he, he, he got kind of a blockier uh, art style, but, but yeah, in any case. So, yeah, uh, the writing on this one, what did you think, Dustin? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it was schlocky. I mean, I loved mm-hmm. the Eldridge beams. I loved him. Like, I, I, I like that kind of... Um, like some of the old Thors and anything that that Jack Kirby kind of spirit of like just cosmic ridiculousness, right? So I liked I like that none of that turned me off. Um, uh, as far as like you know him shooting his eldritch beams and ripping his soul across the cosmic mm. void and all that kind of stuff. That um, so none of that bothered me. What really just got me was just like things like the reporter when he's hinting to Spider Man. It's it's just. He's not hinting. He's just saying it. But Spider-Man's right. acting like he's hinting it. Like, it's it's just heavy. Like, heavy-handed. Not It's not subtle work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then, you know, just the whole... 
histronics <laughs> between mm-hmm. Vision and Wanda. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it makes them seem like we don't like we're not even talking about them because the characters are so flat. They're so like it's a good point. Um, yeah. uh, she's she's kidnapped. He must give up his body. Um, they're gonna live with that, and then it, it, it's just such a flat response to everything. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Go everybody ahead, kind of seems a little bit out of character, too, I feel. Like, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, even, like, at that point when, when he does show up and ha- he, like, presents that ransom, like, hey, I've got Scarlet Witch. If you try to stop me and you don't give me the body, I'm going to kill her. And Spider-Man just jumps in and, like, starts fighting the dude. And Vision has to, like, hold him back. Like, that, that also doesn't seem like Spider-Man. To just, like jump in without thinking about it first and just like run right. straight to fighting mm-hmm. the characterization is off yeah every, right yeah and, and and i think again unfortunately it's because it, this is not a spider-man comic like spider-man is in every single one of these marvel team-ups but it's <laughs> it's never his story and he is just thrown into it he doesn't have mm-hmm. a place or reason to really be here he doesn't add anything to the story, right? Like I, I well, and also the. It, I think ahead, yeah. I think it may, might have even been more interesting if Peter Parker was here instead of Spider Man, and we had like we could start the issue off where you know Spider Man swings off into the to the forest, and then Peter Parker comes back and like, whoa, what happened? And you know <laughs> they they catch up, and then by the time this guy comes, he doesn't have enough time to slip away to turn back into Spider-Man. He's got to try to, like, help out the Vision and, and Wanda, uh, you know, beat this weird uh, sorcerer as Peter Parker. Like, yeah, I... Yeah, cause, there. Right, because Spider-Man doesn't do anything. He just punches, and then uh, he gets knocked out. <laughs> like, he... That's really what happens. I don't like he doesn't add much to the story. So I think having a little bit more weight where, you know, he he's trying to figure out a way to slip away for a couple of seconds or, you know, he can't. So he's got to figure out a way to help as Peter Parker without giving himself away. I think that's more interesting and would have added something to the story. And there's like reason for him to be there besides punching and failing. Well, also the fact that this bad guy flashes back to a scene from Defenders, once again, that uh, gives evidence that J.M. Demetrius used to write Defenders, or maybe he did at this point, so he's once again just picking up a plot thread from that and just continuing it here. So like you said, it isn't really a Spider-Man story. It's like sort of just another Defenders story, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, mm-hmm. I almost blacked out when I read Defenders. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, Dustin, don't ever do it. Like, so I'm sure that the early Defenders are good, but the ones we read by James oh. Demetrius are terrible. Um, oh. <laughs> now, jo- uh, Josh, do you see any difference between the art of Kerry Gamble? Like, are, are, do you like Sal Buscema more, or what do you think? I I think I do like Sal Buscema more. I, I feel like I feel like his figures are more solid. He has a better grasp mm-hmm. of anatomy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the inking is fine again. Um, it does have that like, you know, classic feel to the art. So I, I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed it. There, there wasn't. I, it's been a while. I, I read this one first. I think trying to get it out of the way. So I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything specifically standing out as not working. Um, sure. Everything seemed pretty good to me. 
art wise. Yeah. yeah. Dustin, what do you think? Art wise, I really liked some of the layouts. Mm -hmm. There's some like there's some pretty nice layouts where like the way they use sort of different shaped boxes and the way it you know rolls your eyes. Um, or lead your eyes to the panels. So there is some nice art that way. Uh, but I was just, I found uh, <laughs> the fact that Scarlet Witch's face is constantly different. Um, mm. I don't know why. I just found that distracting. I was like, oh, who's this person? Oh, it's Scarlet Witch again. Um, <laughs> I didn't really notice that, to be honest, huh? Yeah. I, I think it might have been because I read it digitally on a huge monitor. And uh, oh, yeah, her face be. was just really inconsist inconsistent. It's funny because if anything, I would think Sal Buscema's faces all all look almost exactly the same usually. But so that's an interesting uh, criticism. But yeah, I don't know. This is definitely not his best work, but he's he's just a master storyteller. There's, you can almost never complain about his storytelling. It's always so clear, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I did at least enjoy the art. But yeah, again, the story. It's like it's like we said in the last issue of Amazing. You know, when when the Vulture was giving his origin and it was the detail about um, he ha suddenly had super strength, but they don't s dwell too much on it or spend too much time. This is the opposite. They spend too much time on everything. And it's like you're reading it, and again, it's like, it's like, it's like a, you know you try to push two maggots together and they're like forced apart? <laughs> right. Your brain is forced out of the comic book. You don't want to read it. But when you read Amazing Spider-Man by Roger Stern, you do want to read it, you know? That's what I find. Right, because things just... <sighs> Again, I feel like I say this every single week, but in Marvel Team Up, <laughs> things just happen. There's no, like, the, the, a lot of the times there's no reason for things to be happening. They just do. And it's right. it's because, it's because oh, we need, we need Spider-Man to punch in this issue. We need, you know, this character to do this. Or, oh, we need this, we need this action to happen so we can have a cool cover. Like, it, things just happen and it, it, nothing services the story that's going on. Like there's there's no moment where they you know use something from early on to defeat the villain at the end like in Amazing. There's right. things just kind of chug along until they punch the bad guy enough times that he is defeated. A hundred percent agree. Yeah, like I I think they just punch him enough times and and then the vision kind of like helps him helps like knock out. Uh, uh oh. No, actually, no. Spider Man literally just punches him. I'm looking back yeah. at it now. Spider Man punches him, and and he as he's yelling for the Vision to fight against the the mind control, and then he's pushed out. Like there, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It's just nothing works. It's not clever. There's nothing. Nothing happens in the story that actually means anything by the ending. Like, yes. like you can cut out everything that happens. Like you can, right when Vision's body's taken over, you can cut after that, and then cut right to this, and you understand what what's happening. You, you, you which know, is a re yeah, that's a bad sign. You know what I mean? Like you, you can cut out pages. Like, okay, let's let's go let's go back up <laughs> to to the beginning, uh, sure. where. He's, his body is finally his, his first taken over. So he says reborn on original page 11. And then you can scroll through everything that happens here and jump straight to when Spider-Man punches him out on page <laughs> what, 16? Six, uh, 20. 
Okay. So all the way from 11 to 20, you can cut everything that happens there and just jump from page 11 to page 20 and the, the story still makes sense. This guy takes over the Vision's point. body. Spider-Man punches him and says, I know you're still in there, Vision. Fight, fight, fight. And then the guy pops out. Like, <laughs> nothing wow. nothing happens in between that, that, like, furthers the story or, you know, adds anything to to the resolution. They're just punching each other. Even the little uh, in-between vignette with the dog. He went into the dog and then he decided not to. Yeah. Yeah, for added sure. Again, and there's another page added That's a great point. And, you know, well, I, I guess the only thing you could say is you kind of, you don't learn, but the whole thing about how, oh, well, we switched bodies, so then now my soul is in Vision's body, but his soul's in my body, my body's destroyed, but actually his soul is, you know, hidden in the Vision. I mean, that's not really anything but new it, it's not really story development yeah like it, it's because it's it's a problem that comes up and then is immediately resolved right right you know what i mean like it's right. it it doesn't help them or hinder them in their fight against uh in, against this guy so if anything we are learning how not to write comics by <laughs> right right all right yeah. So yeah, uh, once again, unfortunately, except for maybe the Salbu Summer Art, I do not recommend this issue. Dustin, what about you? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Josh? No. No, I don't at all. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. Sorry, but... sorry, JM. Um, okay, so now we're going to jump to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. And since this is the conclusion of a very long-running storyline... Josh will quickly bring us up to speed. Yeah, so pretty much for the past few issues, uh, Black Cat has kind of come back into Peter Parker's life, and they've been having a lot of, like, you know, romantic stories, and then Black Cat will die, and then be brought <laughs> back again, and Peter's surprised, and then they fall back in love, and then she dies again, and then she's she comes back, and Peter's happy, and then... Finally, we have this story where the two of them team up and kind of finish this, like, gang war that's been going on between Doc Ock and the Owl. And then once again, she gets hurt so bad, she's put into ICU in the hospital. And then I think for three issues, she's mm -hmm. been in the ICU, Doc Ock has come back, pulled her plugs, and ran away. She had to go back <laughs> into ICU She's finally recovered. Doc Ock comes over, pulls her plugs again, runs away, and like she's she's finally back to health. The last issue, Peter Parker has been like preparing for this final confrontation with Doc Ock. It's his biggest enemy he's he's ever faced. He feels like he's not going to actually survive this. The two of them are going to be like are so powerful and and such great foes that they're going to kill each other. So the last issue, he's kind of gone and he said his like final goodbyes to his family and done everything he's he feels like he's had to do before he dies. And that's where we kind of cut back to this issue where uh, it's this final confrontation with Doc Ock. So yeah, so Dustin, you can take it from here. You can tell us what this issue is about. Yeah, so it starts off, they're outside the hospital. Um, we start the issue with them already fighting. So they're actually, it kind of starts with a pretty cool um, uh, shot of where the action is uh, Spider-Man flying through the air, Doc Ock coming up the wall, the, mm. the hospital being torn apart and thrown at uh, 
um, at Spider-Man because Doc Ock. And then we kind of go on and we find out Doc Ock is coming. He's going to pay back um, uh, Spider-Man and uh, Black Cat. He's going to get his revenge and he's going to kill, finally kill Black Cat. So that's pretty set up pretty quickly. Um, you know, by by page two, that's been like set up. You know, he's here to kill Black Cat. Spider-Man's going to stop. Um, and th- th- there's a lot of it, basically Spider-Man just putting himself in front of Doc Ock to stop him. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a lot of Spider-Man retreating. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, there's some interaction with the police officers uh, who are uh, the special agent and a number of uniform cops who are helping Black Cat get out of the hospital so that she's not at risk if right. um, Doc Ock gets in. They sort of crashed through the hospital. Um, there is kind of a little throwaway line saying at least Doc Ock's not going after innocents, like civilians. He's just there for Black Cat or him. Right. Um, there's a funny little battle in the uh, in the X-ray machine where you can see the insides of both <laughs> their chests. Right. Which is... Uh, which is cool, a, but uh, pointless, but cool. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, another kind of cool but pointless. Doc Ock decides, well, maybe I am going to go after the people now and grab some, uh, cut some elevator lines and hold some people in an elevator ransom. And uh, Peter does the, uh, the, the standard, like, stop the falling elevator with his webs and strain mm-hmm. his, like, every muscle in his body to protect them. The fight just continues rolling through the hospital with things being smashed. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots and lots of collateral damage in every panel. (laughs) Uh, There's people falling. There's carts getting knocked over. Um, They catch up to uh, the police officers as they're, like, loading Black Cat in the ambulance to take her away to, you know, to get healthy at a less dangerous hospital. Um... (laughs) (laughs) They pull off, and now we're into, like, a chase scene. We've got the, like, special detective in her um, uh, in her uh, convertible and the ambulance going down the highway, and uh, Doc Ock using his, like, legs as sort of, like, strider legs for a high-speed chase, and um, Sp- Spider-Man, of course, you know, web-slinging to uh, keep pace. And that goes on for a while, there's a couple. <laughs> there's a couple variations. A couple people almost fall. Um, eventually, Doc Ock takes a tumble. You know, there's some. The um, uh, so they kind of get off the chase now, and they fall into some railroad tracks. And uh, Doc, um, Spider-Man pulls Doc Ock in front of a train, which mm-hmm. I find to be a weird move on Spider-Man's part. Yeah. He thinks that, like, it's going to just call... Like, it's going to throw Doc Ock off and he's going to, like, jump out of the way. But instead, Doc Ock just, like, um, trashes the train instead. Which was... I thought was cool, but... Oh, it, it's a cool picture, mm-hmm. but there's just... I know you're kind of getting the summary still, but there's some, <laughs> at least in my part, inconsistency in Spider-Man's characterization. Agreed, One that yeah. he would like pull um, uh, Doc Ock in front of a train and pull that kind of a risky move, mm-hmm. and that his reaction to Doc Ock 
like trashing and derailing a freight train is like if he can total a locomotive what'll happen if he gets a good grip on me not like holy crap i just derailed a train and yeah <laughs> right we, Clearly we also being see thrown. We, yeah, we we also see the conductor of the train being thrown out right as doc Ock is too. ripping through and i was like oh spider-man's gonna like quickly have to go and like swing and save him and no, not nothing. We just cut back to Spidey going, "Ooh, glad that's not me." Yeah, <laughs> and then the fight continues. Like, yeah, and yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, kind of next, they're at a, uh, they're at like an a, a abandoned warehouse that's being under construction. So it's basically a bunch of I beams, kind of like scaffold up, partial constructing, and they just kind of trash the building and throw it on top of each other. Eventually. Uh, Spider-Man pulls uh, kind of a quick move and pins Doc Ock, and that's pretty much well, the end of it. Doesn't Doc Ock try to, or Spider-Man tries to like make fun of Doc Ock for always fighting him and never winning? And Doc Ock says, "I'd rather die than lose to you again," and he tries to kill himself. Right? Yeah. So as. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of skipped over that part. But yeah, yeah. The, uh, as they're fighting through these I-beams, Spider-Man yes. like, kind of bends them and traps the uh, tentacles. And then uh, Doc Ock just decides he'd rather die. And he pulls the whole building down on top of himself. And uh, Spidey like swoops in and saves him from the crashing building. Um and in fact, Doc Ock's action is uh, like reaction is like no, like this is now my greatest humiliation. Not only if you keep beating me, but now you've saved me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there's a lot of weird things. Like, it's funny because as we're looking at it, I actually do really like the art. Um, mm-hmm. The art is by um, what's his name, um, Al Milgram, who uh, and then Jim Mooney. So it- it's not great, but it has like a classic feel to it. It's really simple storytelling, small panels. I really like that. But there's just things in this issue that happen that are really weird, like the stuff that you guys mentioned, but also the fact that um, at the end, um, not only, like, I really don't like this whole idea that Spider-Man is just going to scare Doc Ock into submission kind of thing, because it's, again, totally out of character in my opinion. Right. And also it makes Doc Ock look like an idiot, completely ineffective. Yeah. And the thing is, too, the fact that... Peter Parker and Spidey is so like confident that he's going to beat Doc Ock and the fact that he's like I'm gonna win and I'm gonna humiliate you because you always lose to me and that's just how that's just how you know our you know relationship is is completely the opposite of what has been set up this entire story the last issue the last issue was about Peter Parker coming to terms with the fact that he is going to die fighting right. Dr. Octopus in this issue. Right. Uh, and well, it's, it's even uh, off from the first half of this story. In the first right. half of this story, he's running scared. Um, he's just basically trying to be a human shield. He doesn't look, he doesn't think he's going to survive. Um, uh, and then suddenly in the final battle, it all switches. Yeah. yeah. Like inconsistent. Everything about this issue on paper, if you were to like, just kind of, describe to me what happens i'd be like whoa that sounds like a really fun issue we have doc ock coming in and confronting spider-man as he's trying to save black cat who's you know in the hospital and it turns into this you know chase scene and 
they're on top of this train and the train explodes and then you know they're fighting in this abandoned warehouse and the building collapses and spider-man's mm-hmm. got to come in and swing his you know worst enemy like whoa that that sounds really fun but but it just doesn't work because I, I, again not like nothing really fits together they the are key. just yeah. punching each other and then it like it's like this mad goose chase of of like okay we got to go to this point and then this point to do all this cool stuff like nothing is re- nothing really makes sense as to like why they're going from point a to point b in this yeah, issue like it, it, it almost actively doesn't make sense yeah um uh spider-man is leading doc ock in a chase through a hospital it doesn't make sense why um uh why spider-man would ever do that you know there's also like a, a an interesting detail where gene dewolf says that they're gonna get black cat to safety then spider-man oh where is it he goes uh oh he he goes what are you waiting for, DeWolf? Get her out of here. And she's like, waiting? You only delayed Doc, Dr. Octopus for five minutes. It's just funny because the writers can make it take as long as they want. And it's just funny that they chose to call attention right. to that fact, you know? Was, I don't know. It's kind of a weird detail. The, but, I the, mean, I guess it made for a good quip from Gene DeWolf. But what were we going to say, Josh? It That whole, that whole like, plot point where they're yeah. tr- they're, they're, there's a chase of them rushing Black Cat into an ambulance to bring her to another hospital makes zero sense. You're In right. last issue, Peter Parker has literal a literal 24 hours before he knows that Doc Ock is going to go try to kill Black Cat. He knows for a fact Doc Ock is going to be at this yeah, this, you right. know, hospital room to kill Black Cat in 24 hours. Why has she not already been moved? Why all yeah, of a sudden point, are we waiting point. to the last minute till Doc Ock shows up to even put her in the ambulance to have this chase? That's a great point. And and the reason is is because it's cool. We're going to have this cool chase where, you know, Black Cat's rushed into an ambulance and we have this chase through a city. Like that's right. the reason why this is happening is because it's going to be a cool moment. You're right. Gonna, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to look great on the pages. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing is, it does look great. I just wish that yeah. it was, it made more sense, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It, it strikes me as it needs some editing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing is that, um, this, this series was being drawn by, um, uh, Ed Hannigan, and when it was, the plot seemed so much more succinct and and just interesting and original. And now it just, unfortunately, since he's left, it just seems like um, uh, what's his name, Bill Mantlo's treading water. That's what I right. think. Right. It it almost feels like amazing and and spectacular have swapped because when we started this podcast and we started reading in uh, you know issues from 1980, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man felt like the more poppy like light-hearted stories and spectacular was kind of like the more gritty uh street level right right kind of like you know him dealing with the mob and stuff and now it it's almost like it's a reverse we're getting some more like sophisticated dark stories with amazing and then spectacular is kind of the one that's turned into this like slug fest where you know we're just gonna have these characters fighting each other and do some cool action is it? Do you think it's because Roger Stern was writing Spectacular and now he's writing Amazing? 
I that, probably yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. probably that. Yeah, it's weird though because when Roger Stern was on Spectacular, he I think was with Ed Hannigan too. I can't remember. We should research that. But yeah. So, but he fit perfectly, and now he's with John Romita, who was with. Denny O'Neill, but now it's like a new thing, but it is poppy, but it's also got the grittiness. So yeah, it's a, it'd be, it'd be, it's interesting, Dustin, if you ever get a chance, we started in 1980, like I think it was amazing 205 and went straight through. And it's just been really cool to see the evolution of how uh, Spidey changed over the years, you mm-hmm. know? Oh yeah. <sighs> yeah. The only so, thing that hasn't changed is Marvel team up. Yeah. Marvel <laughs> team has been crap no matter what. Um, so yeah, what did you think of the art in this one, Dustin? Oh, um, so I, I liked the art in uh, Amazing Spider-Man better, and just yeah. Out. But there was, I'd almost describe the art as ambitious. Okay. There's a lot of scenes where they're just pushing, you know, the web slinging and Doc Ock flying through the air with his tentacles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're there's some really interesting things going on. There's also just a lot of collateral damage. <laughs> just mm-hmm, things being mm-hmm. smashed. But yeah, I, I really dig some of the outdoor scenes where it's just like, you know, him dodging the... Uh, climbing up the building whilst, while also dodging or some of the scenes at the end um, uh, in the... Uh, in that warehouse construction <laughs> steel frame thing. Sure. Um, again, it's just like you can you can almost feel them jumping around in there, um, but I, I got to say the art's almost more like it's ambitious. But sometimes, th- like that's when you look at like the big sweeping. But when you look at the mm-hmm. details, you're like, nah. it, the details on faces and stuff like that don't pull you in, especially especially reading on a big screen. <laughs> Yes, uh, I, you know it might be the difference between the breakdowns by Al Milgram and the inks by Jim Mooney. I do. I don't know. As I was going through it, I did find myself. It's hard to explain what I mean, but it's like the experience of looking at the art was enjoyable. But like you said, when you break it down, you're like, Ooh, that doesn't quite look right. The anatomy, but there was definitely some good shots. And I mean, Al Milgram's not a great penciler, but uh, like you said, he was ambitious. Like. You know, he drew that shot of the x-ray machine, even though it doesn't right. contribute anything. It's still, a, I guess it's a cool shot. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there, it's, right? I think that, I think the thing is there's not necessarily a lot of, like, substance. Like, there, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, like, it, it's not technically always great art, but it's always fun. I think. Right, right. And I think I think that's the thing is is the art is always really fun. The poses are really great. The action that's happening is fun. Uh, like everything also seems a little bit like like almost iconic. Where like Doc Ock is when Doc Ock uses his arms to like burst that train off of the tracks yeah. and everything is like the, I I I don't know if I've read this before, but I feel like I've seen that moment. Right, like mm. it just feels like an iconic moment. Same with uh, the like the building collapsing on Doc Ock and Spider-Man having to like swing and save his worst enemy. That seems like just like a classic superhero mo- moment. And it almost actually, now that I think about it, it might be because it kind of reminds me of Spider-Man Two, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. We ha- we do have we that's I think that's. We yeah we have the Doc Ock Spidey fight on the train as it's moving, 
and that whole fight we have at the end when the building collapses on Doc Ock and he's got to hold this thing up and it's like him and Spider-Man saving each other like it like I don't know maybe maybe that's why maybe it's just because like I I've obviously seen that before reading this so like it just makes it feel iconic and familiar but there's definitely moments that really work. I think it's just that those moments don't connect well together to make a good overarching story. That's a it, good point, yeah. It so actually just... seems a lot to me like the last third of a, of a movie, of a like, superhero movie where you're like, wait a minute, why are the characters suddenly not caring about collateral damage anymore? Why are the characters <laughs> right. not like... Well, we're the character, but there's it's just non-stop action, it's non-stop cool scenes, it's non-stop like that. It really does like, this could be um, <laughs> the, uh, the storyboarding for the last third <laughs> of a Spider-Man Right. <laughs> you know what's funny is though, even if you go back two issues, it felt like the last third of a movie it's felt like the last third of a movie for like six months you know so it's like I don't hate this issue but I'm definitely glad that this story is finally over that's all I gotta say I hope yeah no it's I checked it's definitely over oh okay good (laughs) yeah Uh, Uh, yeah and and I, I do know that couple years down the road i don't know how permanent this characterization is but i know that at one point dr octopus was scared of spider-man and he was so scared that he would freeze up every time he saw him and again look at the way roger stern did the vulture and amazing this week and that's how you do a supervillain. right never you never want like your supervillain has to be scary and the hero has to be scared of the villain or else what's the point right i don't know (laughs) superheroes 101 so yeah, I, I would give a ri- mild recommendation to this issue. It's not great, but it's, again, I always enjoy reading it, but it's not a great comic. Uh, Dustin, what do you think? I would agree, yeah. there's uh, I wouldn't warn people away, for sure. Like, yeah, go ahead and read it if you feel like it. All right, Josh, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I, I, I really do like some of the action that's happening, and uh, like the the art in, in time at times really shines through, but it's just... Mm-hmm not a whole lot of substance when it comes down to the story so i know it's very i'm very like 50 50 on this one i again i I don't think i would tell anybody not to read it but i i wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it either right so i agree all right well that unfortunately wraps up this week's issue of here comes the spider cast we want to thank you for joining us dustin oh thank you oh i've got one uh one uh interesting bit of trivia Sure. Oh, Lance Bannon, who is like on the last page of uh, Amazing Spider-Man, I was like, "Who the hell yeah. is this?" Because I'm not too familiar. He's from Chatham, Ontario. Official. Interesting. <laughs> How is that? I don't know. <laughs> do, they, do they say that like in a comic? Uh, it, it's from the uh, the Marvel um, the guide. He uh, wow he grew up in Chatham, wow. Ontario, and moved to uh, New York to be a to work at the Bugle. Well, maybe we'll. If we, I hope we come across that in our Here Comes the Spider Cast readings. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, Dustin, if we didn't scare you away, we'd love to have you back again someday oh, soon. Yeah, that was great. I would love you. Awesome. All right. Great. So, yeah, uh, for sure. So, Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah. Well, we also want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, it really helps when you leave a review over on Apple Podcast or if you drop us a comment or a tweet. Uh, you can reach us over at, at HCT Spidercast 
or at at comic syndicate on twitter and you can find us pretty much anywhere else at the comic book syndicate uh we want to keep this conversation going so yeah please keep in touch that's right and we drop a new episode every monday and we're at number 43 and there's more coming every week yep or yeah 42 or 43 i guess it's 43 i think this is 43 yep you're right yep so until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right, see you then. Oh.